Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hi everybody. I really want to focus on confidence today and in terms of four steps to, to raising a confident HSC. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Megan Thompson, and my focus here is to help you guys learn how to parent your highly sensitive child with strategy, effective support, accountability, as well as shift it in a way that makes it effectively and and easy, easy for you to eliminate daily meltdowns in as little as eight weeks. So today we're talking a lot about confidence. And so what I really want to get clear on is first what it is that that we're really talking about. So we think about parents who are struggling with addressing confidence for your highly sensitive kid. We want to talk about the fact that your, your child is bringing to you fears, meltdowns related to worries that they're having in that moment and shifting their perspective around what it is that they might be worried about is very difficult for you. And this is what we're, we're addressing today. If this sounds like you, what we want to want to do is get clear on, on how your kids are probably responding to their current worries and stressors first before we tackle the solution. So your highly sensitive kid might be melting down at the drop of a hat right now with school coming up. They might be really struggling with trying to communicate to you their worries about what's going to happen next in in the school setting. They might also be pretty frustrated and irritable on a regular basis because of a big worry that they're bringing up to you. And, And usually what we see for highly sensitive kids is that they're bringing up these worries at the most inopportune times for parents. It could be right before bedtime, could be right in the middle of a meltdown. And this leaves you feeling stuck because you really want to help your child solve this problem and feel confident in solving their problems. But in the moment when your child is struggling, you might be really challenged with what to do and what helps your child feel confident in solving their problems. And what we really want to do today is is dive into what works and and clear up some distinctions around what doesn't work so that you're, uh, you're identifying where your strategy is lacking. So what we're doing today is getting clear on the four steps to raise a confident, highly sensitive kid. And the first thing that we're doing is focusing on your child's ability to feel true joy. Now, we really want you guys to identify, to recognize this. Joy and the emotion of joy is the ability to be one in the moment with pure happiness and to feel certain that they deserve it. Now, oftentimes we see highly sensitive kids feel happy or excited. Excited about a new toy, excited about a friend, experiencing um, you know, an emotion in the moment where they're experiencing a pleasurable event, being really focused and, and loving their activity. 
But we don't often see joy in a highly sensitive child's face when they are regularly having meltdowns. And so I really want to get clear on, on identifying this emotion for your child and then taking stock of how often you see it. I'm not saying it's impossible to see joy in your highly sensitive kid's face if they're experiencing regular meltdowns, but what we want to identify is that if your child is struggling with their big emotions or you're struggling to help them manage their big emotions, it's very often because they are not experiencing joy in the moment because they're not letting themselves feel joy. And that might be a, a more subtle uh, message that they're giving to themselves rather than active inhibition. But what we really have to identify is that when your child is swarmed by shame or embarrassment about their emotions or swarmed by an overexertion of anger on a regular basis, that breeds shame. It breeds an inability to recognize negative emotions until they get to be way too big. And so when that happens, when your child feels feels happy or, or excitement, it's very hard to get to the higher level, which is joy, because they feel like it's fleeting. And that might not be a, um, you know, based on your kid's developmental awareness, it might not be something that they're able to communicate to you. But I really want to help you understand the, the understanding of emotions and, and different levels of emotions for your kids and also for yourself. But if you don't feel like you're truly able to be happy on a regular basis, and so tap into this for you as a parent, then it's unlikely that you experience joy on a regular basis. And that's likely because you're holding it together. You're, you're in like survival mode a lot of the time. And so it's it's important for you to be observant of, of if that's happening for you, then of course that's happening for your kid. And so when we're being when we're aware of this what we're doing in that moment is getting clear on what it is that is inhibiting you from identifying that clear joy for your kiddo joy is something that we inhibit ourselves from experiencing when we feel like we're not good enough to experience true happiness that's what joy is true happiness so when when that's happening for a child what they're doing is that they they're having this underlying experience that I am not good enough to experience this wholeheartedly with my whole heart. And usually that happens because your kid's overstimulated and they don't know how to recognize that because they're sensitive and they're, they're, they're inhibiting everything, including their emotion, even during happy moments. And so this is something that you'll have to observe over time in order to be sure of without professional support. The next thing that you're going to be able to, to get clear on in terms of assessing whether or not your child is confident enough to solve their problems is to address their barriers to communicating worry. If your child is just communicating worry when they're at 100 on a scale of 100 being, 100 being overwhelmed, then there are it's a clear indicator that there are a lot of barriers for them to coming to you when they are able to clearly communicate. And so... When you think about what it means to clearly communicate as a child, a child as young as two and a half, as, as early as they are verbal, they are clearly able to communicate that they're upset. And we know babies cry and, and they communicate that they're upset and there's different types of crying and you, you discern that through trial and error when you, when you have your young baby. But as your child ages, we look straight to crying to discern whether what type of upset is happening. And we start to um, think that a child is too young that to communicate whether or not they're worried or upset 
until they hit school age when they start to learn about it in school. And so it's really important for parents to be aware that if your child is two and a half or older, they can communicate to you that they're worried. Um, and, and if they're not doing that on a regular basis, then there's some clear barriers to why that's happening. And so it might be that you're just now learning that they can communicate worry, that you're, that, that they, they don't feel comfortable communicating worry. And this could be if they're regularly experiencing emotion, that means a negative emotion and in, in a meltdown form or irritable outburst form or, or frequent complaining form, whatever, however your, your highly sensitive kid expresses negative emotion in an intense way. What we're seeing here is that your highly sensitive kid is overwhelmed by the time they get to that point. And so when that happens, they're not feeling safe to communicate it to you until they're bubbling up. And so if that's the case, then they don't feel like they can come to you before it gets to the point where they're ready to pop. Now, some kids pop means hit their brother or sister. Other kids pop means having a meltdown drag out, you know, on the floor um, meltdown. Older kids might mean that they just hold it all and shut down until they start crying. It's different for every kid. And so there, there's really, um, you know, I, I use the word meltdown just to capture it all. But it has to be, you know, you have to know your kid best to understand whether or not there's barriers to communicate that worry. And then when you're addressing those and, and shifting that for your child, then they'll be able to feel more confident in solving their problems because the first thing is, is communicating that to you. And then the, the next thing that you need to do is to stop reassuring your child. Reassurance creates a loop. Reassurance creates an, I don't know if this is going to work. Check with mom or dad. Mom or dad say it's okay. Okay, great. And when that happens, your child never learns that they can make themselves feel okay. Now, it's important to discern the difference between comforting and reassuring. If your child is frequently coming to you over and over and over again about worry, it means that they haven't let that sunk in. And that's that's other, another indicator that the barriers to communicating with you to worry are, are at have met their threshold and you're only addressing the worry when they're when they're bringing it to you right up uh, at the moment when they're about to melt down or during the meltdown and if that's happening then you need to get back to how to validate effectively and communicate emotions on a regular basis rather than just when your child is upset and so when you're reassuring your child or you're solving their problems for them what you're doing in that moment is telling your child that you don't have faith that they can solve their own problems creatively. And so you have to do the next thing, which is to allow for creative problem solving. And so if you're immediately in fix it mode, and I talk to parents about this all the time, then you're struggling to, to feel and manage your own anxiety around the fact that your kid might not solve this problem. And if that's the case, then you're perpetuating the issue. So I really want you to be able to identify your own emotions first, and then this process will be able to, to become more smooth for you. But in the meantime, what you have to have to do is allow your child to fail. Because with that ability, your child can learn that they can try and then try again later. And so what we often do as parents, especially with kids with big meltdowns and, and major feelings and, and ability to, to experience their and express their emotions safely, what we can what I see a lot in terms of working with parents is that, that you can go straight into fix it mode a lot. And when that happens, you're you're 
inhibiting your child from learning how to communicate and, and to solve their own problems. And when that happens, they start to decrease their, their own confidence in solving this. Um, what we're observing is that this is very timely and what's clear for you when your child is having regular meltdowns is that it all boils down to confidence. And if your highly sensitive kid feels like they're not able to solve their own problems and they have to come to you when they're emotionally explosive, then you have to work on changing the way that they view their ability to solve their own problems. And so that is a systematic way. So just to, to recap what we talked about, you need to focus on your child's ability to focus on your child's ability to feel true joy. Then next, what you're going to do is address those barriers to communicating worry. You have to stop reassuring your child and you have to allow for creative problem solving. And that might mean that allowing for your child to, to fail because what we're doing in those moments is, is allowing for freedom of, of, of trial and error. And when when this becomes scary for parents of highly sensitive kids, it's usually because those meltdowns are happening rapid fire and there's no way out of that cycle. So if you're experiencing a meltdown a day, then that means that those meltdowns are happening rapid fire. Children above the age of four should not be having meltdowns regardless of whether or not they're highly sensitive. And when I say should not be, this is coming from a non-judgmental uh, place. What I'm trying to do is educate you. A lot of parents will hear from other professionals or from other parents who either don't know what to say or just have don't know anything different that their highly sensitive kid is highly sensitive and therefore meltdowns are a par for the course. And what's very important to be aware of is, is the fact that meltdowns are not par for the course for any child above the age of four once they start to move away from the, from, from the inability to organize their emotions and their brain capacity. And when that happens and your highly sensitive kid is moving out of that, um, that pattern, if your kiddo is not able to do that, then they're really struggling in that moment to identify the skills that they need. And it, it's a clear indicator that you're not certain or not able to, to implement the skills they need with them to help them move out of this pattern. So if your kiddo, again, is over the age of four, then we really need to talk about what it is that you're struggling with in order to strategize and shift that perspective that this is something that you guys need to continuously endure. I speak to parents all the time whose kids are having meltdowns at age five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and and up, um, as old as 13, 14, 15. And when we get on the phone, that what I hear is that the meltdowns never stopped. And what's important to be aware is that this does not change if you're not able to decide that you want it to be different and you're just you're deciding that you want it to be easy. And I spoke about that last week that it doesn't have to be hard because you can make that decision today and, and shift that. And so if that's something that you're focused on and you want life to be more joyful, easy and and feel confident in raising your child in a way that they can communicate their emotions clearly and confidently solve their problems by themselves, then I encourage you to get on the phone. We'll strategize about where you're struggling in parenting your kiddo and what you want to to work differently in your household and where you are drawing, drawing barriers or creating more barriers to that dynamic, as well as solving the problem, right? And helping you eliminate those daily meltdowns so that you can experience joy in your family. So your child can experience joy in their lives. And so you can both live confident lives and feeling like you can handle things that come your way. 
Because I can imagine for you as a parent, if you're not able to communicate the emotions clearly and, and interpret and, and name your child's emotions clearly so much so that they're still having meltdowns, then that can really take a huge hit on your confidence level as well. And we know that children learn from example. And so you have to acknowledge that that's happening as well in your household. And, and your child needs to know that you feel confident that they will solve this problem. Because even if you let them fail, as I talked about earlier, if you don't feel confident that they'll learn from this in an effective way, then that will, again, can just continue to perpetuate the cycle. So I hope that this is helpful for you guys in identifying the step-by-step strategy and get be sure to get on the phone if you're struggling with this and, and you really want a solution that's going to be strategic and swift in solving this problem. Have a good night. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.